0: Hello, Girl Bosses. This is your host Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO here at Girl Boss. We have a great guest for you today. She's the Chief Marketing Officer for Endeavor Bozema St. John. Before we get to that, I want to tell you a little bit about the Girl Boss Rally. Oh my God, it's in a week in New York City, in Brooklyn, at Knockdown Studios. We have a limited amount of registration spots open and there are new tiers. You can come by to shop for just $30. We have dozens of amazing vendors in this great area called The Collective where you can do a lot. I think you can get tattoos actually and like tarot readings. So it's going to be a really fun weekend. It's November 17th and 18th in Brooklyn and you can learn more at girlbossrally.com and if you want to join your future and our future and build the future of Girlboss with us really the community that is the always on version of the rally and what Girlboss has been that was built by you. You are our community but we're just now building the place where you can congregate. And not just use the hashtag Girlboss. And so if you want early access to the Girlboss Collective, go to collective.girlboss.com now. And also, if you like what you hear on today's show, go ahead, rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend. We're going to get to our chat with Bozema in just a second. But first, I'm going to talk a little bit about HoneyBook. I remember when I was building Nasty Gal how difficult it was to manage all of the paperwork because I really was a solopreneur. I guess I was the CEO of my own eBay store just as anyone who's a freelance graphic designer is the CEO of their graphic design business. But there's so much admin that goes into running a small business. And now there's HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a purpose-built business management platform for creative small businesses. They help photographers, designers, event professionals, and other solopreneurs save hundreds if not thousands of hours a year by adding time-saving automation into their business. HoneyBook makes it easy to streamline the client process so you never miss a thing. So my boyfriend Galen is a director, and he uses HoneyBook to run his business because he's an independent contractor. He actually just got off of a show with HBO that's coming out next week called The Emperor's Newest Clothes. It's so beautiful, so he art directed. and. Production directed that and he used Honeybook and he absolutely loved it. And that's why, for a limited time, Girlboss Radio listeners can get 50% off the first year of Honeybook with promo code Girlboss. Honeybook membership includes unlimited access to all features at one low monthly price. So go to honeybook.com today and use promo code Girlboss to get started. Again, that's honeybook.com, promo code Girlboss. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Russo, the founder and CEO of Girl Boss Media, and this is Girl Boss Radio. Bozema St. John is an accomplished marketing and advertising executive. She's been named to the Fortune 40 under 40. She's been named one of Fast Company's 100 most creative people in business. She's been named to AdAge's 50 most creative people in business. She's been named to the Billboard Top Women and Music and as the Billboard Top Executive of the Year. So she has a lot of clout and she's a very powerful person who we're so excited to have here today.
1: Marketing is essentially the creation of narratives, you know, so it takes a understanding of people, of culture, of time in order to build the appropriate narrative for
0: anything. Her first career shifting role was as the head of music and entertainment marketing at PepsiCo. During this time, she drove breakthrough consumer engagement by collaborating with tastemakers like... The one and only Beyonce. Following Pepsi, Bose became the head of global consumer marketing for Apple Music and iTunes. When she presented at Apple's keynote Worldwide Developers Conference, she stole the show. BuzzFeed even called her the coolest person to ever go on stage at an Apple event. After Apple, she went to Uber, where she served as the chief brand officer. In her role at Uber, she was tasked with telling the stories of millions of riders and drivers across over 600 cities. These days, Bozema is the chief marketing officer for Endeavor, a global leader in entertainment, sports, and fashion. In her role, she focuses on driving marketing efforts across Endeavor's global network of companies.
1: It touches everything that I love. It's fashion, and it's music, and it's sports, and it's film, and it's
0: bull riding. And I'm so excited to say that she will be joining us at the Girlboss Rally in New York this month as a keynote fireside chat. And Today she's here to share what all entrepreneurs should know about marketing, what she does as a CMO, and how to be your truest self in both business and life. Now let's get to it. Here's my chat with Bozema St. John. So I start every episode with the same question because we all have a start. You've got the C-level title, which we're going to get into, like how you made your career. But I want to know, what was your first job? Ooh, my
1: first job. Well, my first, first, first job was at Denny's Restaurant. Um, I was a hostess because I was not coordinated enough to be a waitress. I tried waitressing one day and it was a disaster. They were like, you know what? We really like you. You should stand up front and greet people.
0: I (laughs) I was like, I tried one day and it was like, I'm sorry. I can't remember your catch up. I couldn't do
1: it. I don't know. But you know what? It was a good lesson, though, because... Even though I failed at the waitressing, I was good at something else. I didn't need to leave Denny's altogether, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe that's a it's a good lesson for like my entire life.
0: Did you learn like <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of like people dealing, you know. And I I worked my first job was in yeah. Subway, and then I worked in like at Borders Books, where they taught me how to like open my hand to show people things instead of like yes. point at instead the books and things like that. Yes. Are there things that you still carry in your career oh, that you learn from? A
1: hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Denny's lessons for life. Like I should write a book called yeah. Lessons from Denny's. Yes. Totally. I mean, one, always look people in the eye and smile before you even say anything. You know, when you say hello, make it sincere. Make yes. it happy. Like put the smile in your voice. Yeah. As my then boss said. <laughs> yes. You know, when you it's a difference between good morning and good
0: morning. Totally. You don't know, like and people the smile in tr- your people voice. People respond differently. They do. It makes your life easier.
1: Absolutely. And I, I absolutely use it now. You know, when I'm on the phone, you know, you get on a conference call or you're calling somebody. Maybe it's a cold call. You never talked to them before. Or maybe you've talked to them before, but you're about to have a hard conversation. I always put a smile in my voice. Mm-hmm. It disarms people, makes them feel good.
0: And you were born in the States and then moved to Ghana at six months old. Yes, that's right. And then moved back to the States at 12. Yes. I'm so curious how your international upbringing has influenced your path, if at all. A
1: lot. So I actually had a few more moves in there between six months and 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, My family lived in Nairobi, Kenya. We also lived in Washington, D.C. when the government of Ghana was overthrown in a military coup d'etat. And my parents had to you know, escape the country. My dad was actually put in political detention, but that's a whole nother story. Um, And my mom left Ghana pregnant with three small children, me being the oldest. I was six. Triplets? No, 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 no. Like I had. had Oh, she had three kids. Yes, three kids. And she was pregnant. Okay. And we went to Washington, D.C. under, you know, political asylum. And the interesting thing is that just to digress a minute, It is why, you know, so many of the conversations that we're having now around politics and immigration and what does it mean about the caravan and all these important topics are they're so they they are so important to me. They're very personal, you know, and I think that my upbringing and those experiences has absolutely shaped not only the way i am but my world view and my people view mm-hmm. you know like i don't look at the caravan and see people who are trying to like come destroy a country mm-hmm. you know they're actually obeying the law they're approaching in the way that you are supposed to that's actually the law you show up to the border and you you ask for asylum mm-hmm. that's what you do mm-hmm. you know and and so for me it's it's a very personal thing when i when i look at that and i'm very thankful for you know, the movement around when I was a young person, because even though I was too young to make the decisions myself, it certainly has shaped who I am now and the way that I see the world and the empathy, empathy that I have for Yeah, people. that was the
0: word that jumped into my head. And so there's adversity that comes with that, right? Like, that's not an easy thing for a family to move across the world to be, you know, for your mom to be pregnant, for you to be a young kid and uh, learning how to be in a new place, and so I like to think, and I don't really talk about this a lot, but I really believe that adver- adversity is a really important thing. Oh, 100%. Like, I'm so sorry for people who don't grow up with any adversity, because it's just, like, <laughs> what happens when you're an adult? Yeah. Like, what how do you cope? You? Um, and it really shapes you. How do you feel like that adversity, like, shaped you? Like, what... I guess like what were the challenges and like how does that how does that benefit you now?
1: Yeah. Adversity I I agree with you. It is absolutely a personality shaper and also makes you endure. I really I appreciate all of those challenges, especially being able to um you know find and build new relationships in those early years. You know, especially with new environments, uh, kids are not always the nicest people, although they're super cute, but they're not always the nicest. And so dealing with you know, being called names or asking why you talk funny or why is your skin that way or what are you eating? You know, there are all of these things that you have to answer <laughs> when you're a kid. Some of them are innocent questions, but they, help you even to build your identity. They're like, oh, you're, you're different. Yeah, right. you're super different. Yeah. And why is that? You know, so I was able to articulate those things and not just articulate them, but be very comfortable with those differences really early on. I mean, by the time I was in those awkward, like 13, 14, 15 year old years, I was very comfortable with standing out. Mm-hmm. And... Again, back to, you know, how has that helped me in my life? I can walk into any room today and be the only or the few or whatever and not be intimidated by that.
0: Bozma lives out loud and is clearly herself in both business and life. So I asked her to share her advice for those who have a hard time striking the balance between their true self versus their work self.
1: That is a tough question. I mean, part of it is absolutely, you know, my upbringing and my parents who were very, very proud. You know, they never felt the need to assimilate into American culture. Uh, It didn't mean that they were rebellious. They just felt like, well, their culture is really important and now we're here. So why wouldn't we celebrate our culture here? You know, like they it just it wasn't a question. They were just like, yeah, we're going to do both and you can succeed here and still be very proud of how you were raised, where you came from, the food you eat, the clothes you wear, all that stuff. Um, and I feel that even today, all of those differences, really, I mean, it may sound cliche, but that's what makes me special. You know, it makes me really special. And I am proud of that. And my advice or what I talk about constantly when I get that question, you know, how do you show up like that? Why do you show up like that? Like, tell me how to do that. I'm like, no, it's just like, what what about you makes you special? You know, it's a really, it's a philosophical question, but it can be very difficult to answer if you have never thought about it, you know, and it's the part of unearthing some of our insecurities uh, and also replacing that with affirmations that will actually make you walk like you belong someplace, you know, because if you're looking for the things that make you special and you have that inner voice negative talk that is saying you're not special, you're not cute, you're not anything to be proud of, you know, when you start to try and find those things and you're asking yourself those questions, they actually become affirmations. And I think it's about practice and being able to really overcome those other voices that makes you then walk into room unapologetically.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. People kind of... You know, I don't know if anyone listening or you've ever done this, but I went to the Dodgers game this weekend and it's mm-hmm. always an exercise to walk through a crowd of people that are walking toward you. Right. It happens in New York, too. <laughs> doesn't really happen a lot in Los Angeles. So it was nice practice. Yeah. And the way to get like the seat apart in a crowd of people when you're walking toward them is you look 20 feet ahead of them. Yes. And they're just like they they just somehow magically walk around walk you. Around it is you. the best thing ever. Yeah. yeah. And it's really easy, but not everyone gets that. Otherwise, you're like, oh, excuse me, excuse me. And like. Right. People just like part, and I do. I've been in so many rooms. That's a that great metaphor. Like, yeah, and it it's a trick. Oh, girl! I have that's other so tricks. Good. You want to find a parking spot? My dad taught me: turn off the radio in your car, roll the windows down, and listen for engine starting. <gasps> like so hardcore. They're great. So trick. hardcore. What? Um, yeah, these not are not a metaphor. Tips. <laughs> not a metaphor. I don't
1: know. I kind of like it. I'm sure we could find one if There's we wanted to. There's a lot to. of parking that we do yes. in Los Angeles. So yes,
0: but. I've not belonged, quote unquote, not belonged in like so many rooms and so many people ask me like, how can you show up in this room and be confident? And it's like the the risk of not doing it is kind of like everything. You're kind of wasting your time. You're never yeah. going to get what you want. Right. And when you show up in a room, even if you, you have to overestimate yourself and be like, yeah, yeah, I belong here. And everybody just like everybody else believes you. Yes. Right. somehow you're just like putting that out into the world, and everyone's like, Cool, great, yeah. you're my peer. Yeah,
1: because awesome. I know the energy that you put off then is that you can't tell me I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. could try, but you're not going to be successful. <laughs> and yeah. most people are unwilling to be that brave to try.
0: Yeah, yeah. everyone listening is trying, and so this <laughs> is really important. So, you have a shirt on, tell me what your shirt says oh. and what it means.
1: My shirt says, Too tired to code switch. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs>
0: Well, <laughs> I learned something when yes. I read your shirt.
1: So, code switching is um, usually a practice by any. I'm going to use the air quotes. Other, uh, I think it was probably coined by Black people, but it is the practice of pretending to be something else, usually white. Yeah. Uh, when you're in certain spaces, usually work, and then switching to being Black when you're around your friends and your family, and that code. Is what gets you through, Mm -hmm. you know, what protects you, what allows for people to not be intimidated by your blackness, all of those things.
0: But you don't code switch. Oh,
1: man, I'm too, yeah. You're too the, tired? The the shirt says, I'm too tired. I'm Are too you tired. tired? You don't seem tired. No, listen, I'm too tired to code switch. <laughs> <laughs> Should always be too yeah, tired. Yeah, that thing requires too much energy. It requires too much energy. I, have, I need energy for other things. I need energy to, like, freaking be great and win.
0: So, I want to get into marketing. What's marketing? <laughs> Tell me what marketing is.
1: Marketing. Marketing is, like, you know, maybe I'm, like, biased because... You know, I'm in the business, but I feel like everybody feels like they can do marketing. Oh, yeah. Like, Instagram no. made everyone a photographer. And like, it is and a, a specialty. Yeah. Marketing is essentially the creation of narratives. Yeah. So it takes both a understanding of people, of culture, of time in order to build the appropriate
0: narrative for anything. Hey everyone, Sophia here. Deep question time. Have you thought about retirement yet? It might seem like some abstract faraway fantasy, but trust me, it's not the type of thing you want to avoid planning for. Our partners at Prudential put together a financial wellness assessment so you can see where you stand when it comes to planning your future. Search for the Prudential State of Us campaign to take the assessment now. You'll also find plenty of tips for how to get on track and invest in your future. It's never too late or too early to start planning for your financial wellness. We'll get back to our chat with Bosma in just a second, but first I wanna talk a little bit about Skillshare. If you don't know what Skillshare is, Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes. I don't know how you even make 20,000 classes. So they're an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, technology, design, and more. You can take classes on Skillshare in social media marketing, data science, web development, you name it, they, have it. And what I love about Skillshare is how diverse their course selection is. You can find anything on there in one place. So you're not just searching the internet for God knows whose advice. You can go to Skillshare and learn things like building a winning team, the fundamentals and anyone can watercolor, which is the class we all know if we've listened to Girlboss Radio before that I love the most. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just, yeah, 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Girl Boss Radio listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Girlboss. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Girlboss to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Girlboss. Now let's get back to my conversation with Bozema St. John. Bozema talked about the part emotion and connection play in successful marketing.
1: It is super psychological, and that's why it's such an expertise. You know, you can't just pick up and decide that you're going to market something. You know, you've got to really pay attention to emotion is probably the number one uh, lever to pull for marketing you know and emotion means that you know does somebody who reads this or or sees the campaign are they happier because of it are they sad are they angry you know like what is the emotion that you evoke somebody said to me the other day that you know it's like they don't they don't want their marketing to make people angry and I was like well then you're gonna make them ambivalent mm-hmm You know, and that's what you don't. That's a killer. And forget you. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Like if you can turn the page past, you know, an ad in a magazine or you can skip a commercial, then we didn't do a good job. So that's the way I feel. Provocative on some level. It has to be. Yeah. And timely.
0: Some people would consider marketing and advertising manipulative Mm -hmm. to a certain extent because you are playing on emotions and you're playing on culture and so I'm curious, you work for some really big brands. How do you keep yeah. your integrity in what you do? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, everything in the world is manipulative. The The word is not bad, you know, in that there are, you know, ways in which I talk to my daughter to get her to do something mm-hmm. that is different than the way I talk to my assistant to do something, which is different from the way I talk to my boss to do something, right? All of, in all of those situations, you're manipulating the, the environment and the reaction that you want. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the brands that I've worked for and the campaigns I've created have all been about, at the end of the day, because my job is to sell whatever the concept is of the brand, is to pull on emotion which will create loyalty mm-hmm. to that brand or product you know, or make people look at it differently. And And usually that's what I'm trying to do these days is that I want people to just look at something differently, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: What's different about the way you talk to your assistant and the way you talk to your boss? Because I think a lot of people don't know how to talk to a boss and get what they want.
1: Ooh, that's a good question. So let me think about that. Because the way that I talk to my assistant is usually very direct and clear, right, on what I need to have done. Um, But I also want my assistant to be empowered to make decisions on my behalf, because at the end of the day, I feel that she is managing me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so I have to be clear about the thing, the end goal and what I want to do, and then give her the room to be able to do that thing. My boss, I am managing up, you know, so I'm talking to my boss and not just trying to convince Her or him to get, you know, to do the thing that I want to do, but to also see my position, to have empathy for where I am. And part of that is in understanding where he or she wants to go.